You've been listening to three grown men discuss a children's TV show. Hello, happy new year and welcome to the Bad Wolf podcast. I'm Martin and joining me this week, I have Chris. Hello. And Sam. Hello. Happy new year, gentlemen. How are you? Happy new year. All good here. Yeah, all fine, yeah. How was your Christmases? Yeah, it was nice, thank you. Very it's nice. It's slightly like a return to work thing, isn't it? Where they go and say, well, how was your Christmas? Yeah, it was all right, yeah. <laughs> Yours? Yeah, same, really. Too much New Didn't Year? Very much. Yeah. No, not really. Standard. Stayed in. <laughs> yeah, that, See, I don't do anything New Year either. So when I hear the whole, um, you know, they always go, oh, get up to much New Year. I go, oh, you know, the usual. <laughs> which means nothing but yeah. then they insist on telling me about their mental new year's night out and i don't want to hear it yeah i never do anything on new year's i didn't this year uh only because i've just recently gone into a relationship so we sort of stayed stayed in which was nice That's um nice. But, yeah so it was a nice change from the usual ones because my well i've had some good new years though because i went out to uh my mate, uh, uh, one of my closest mates, always two of us just on our own because everyone else is either kissing everyone else and we're just outside in the smoking area of whatever club going Happy New Year. But last year we went to uh, what is our normal bar. It was like, I could only put it down to like a single dad's meeting. It was, uh, <laughs> every random bloke sort of sitting there on their own, not really engaging with the other person. And just the, even when Happy New Year came along, it was uh, <laughs> it was it was like the, it was essentially like Moe's Tavern, funny and depressing as hell. Me and my mate just sort of sit, and I and I thought, you know, there might be some girls who wander in. It was quite. A, it's usually a good sort of spot in an evening in, on a on a night where it's sort of. It's a free but, uh, entry, and it's mm. between all the clubs. So you get like the stragglers come in. That is the later it gets. And but no, they they really didn't. I think a couple <laughs> went in just to use the toilet or get some cigarettes from the machine, and left. And uh, we were just there with a bunch of. And I I thought because of the girls coming in, I'd wear a nice red velvet jacket and look like I was there to celebrate. And then I've got all these blokes with their heads in their hands going, where did I go wrong this year? You know, <laughs> Discussing their divorce settlements. The best New Year's Eve I've ever had was I was, um, I was supposed to go, to, I was at uni at the time and my, and I said, you know, I don't really enjoy New Year's Eve. So my housemate said to me, come to Leicester. Uh, we go to this place just outside Leicester where he, he was from. And they had this really nice village that was really Christmassy. Uh, basically looked like something from a Richard Curtis Christmas film. He sent me pictures of it and said, come here, we go to the pubs. It's really lovely for New Year's Eve. So I had to get National Express. Cut a long story short, I missed the bus. And it was the only one going to Leicester that day from Reading. And uh, I spent New Year's Eve on my own playing FIFA online. And I could not have been happier. The reason we're here tonight is that I thought we'd get together and discuss the latest two episodes of Doctor Who because there's no other Doctor Who based podcasts out there. I mean, don't even bother looking because you won't find any. No, you might even just see a video that's, you know, a video review in that's just a single static camera for 45 minutes. Exactly. Sometimes even longer than the episode itself. And you wonder, yeah. why, am I this, why am I watching this shit? Uh. Exactly. So there's nowhere else to get your Doctor Who news but this podcast. 
podcast. I'll ask you first, Sam, what do you make of Spyfall? When I first heard about this episode and the premise of it, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. Really did think that they needed to be a step up from Series 11. Mm. And I do feel that sometimes I don't think Chris Chibnall can write comedy very well. I think, to be fair to Moffat and Russell T. Davis, they could write comedy nicely in yeah. their script. And I don't think he really pulled it off that well with Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. And I felt this was going to be a bit of a silly, silly episode, but I was blown away from how much of a step up it was. I like that we started with a nice bit of backstory for all the companions. It was nothing soap opery like we got with Rose, but it was nice and quick enough to the point where you watch the classic series, you're always thinking, well, why does no one care where Tegan's gone? Why do they not care where where Joe's gone for a few months? You know, it was a nice thing of them just saying, oh, you know, you got signed off sick for this and that and that and that. And then, her, yeah, yeah. you know, him thinking that she was off on doing, uh, you know, doing undercover work. I thought well, that was just a re- and it was only like a couple of minutes long and it was really, really nicely done. And then it sort of went into the whole spy thing and MI6 getting involved. I kind of like the story that MI6 can't turn to Torchwood or Unit anymore, so they have to go into the files and find the Doctor. And I thought, oh, I'm not too keen on this relationship with them, but that was quickly out of the way. And then we mm. got into the episode, and it was, I just, what I liked about it was I just wasn't bored at yeah, all yeah, in yeah. episode one and two. And I thought the main reason for that was that I thought, well, I've always felt that Chibnall couldn't write single episodes very well in series 11 because my Mm. problem with series 11 especially if you've got four companions sorry three companions so that's a four main cast which is hard for any tv drama but you've got to make sure they've all got enough to do every week including a little bit extra for the lead which is Jodie Whittaker Mm. and then Mm. what you've got to do is you've got to have a beginning middle and an end all within what 45 minutes an hour and it was so rushed series 11 that yeah. sometimes you got into some really good ideas and they just went oh and and then the monster fell out the the thing and we all ran away happy ending so it was nice to have a slower pace to it for a two-parter and i thought that was really good but what i was impressed with was how different part two was to part one but it still continued the same story i was very it felt really epic because i was completely blown away i think it was a bit bumpy at the start i thought but it was um but it, it got going and it was just just felt like it really was an improvement a big step up from last year where you didn't care about any of them jody's character was very cartoonish and that was all it was and uh, you've, you had the blandest performances from Ryan and uh, and Yaz and then obviously Graham stole the show mm. um, but in this one it's just yeah like you say they all got used properly they all had a thing to do which was and to be fair in a series I don't base it like okay episode one you didn't quite use the two characters at the back but mm. then obviously by episode two or maybe episode three it might be one of theirs that was a misstep I think in series 11 was that even Yaz's story she still gets sidelined and it's really yeah. doesn't matter you know there, there's there um it's how you uh, over the series I would think but this episode as you rightly say got all of them to shine in 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 some way or another even the yeah. the doctor which i actually admitted after the end of the second episode she's the doctor now i mm. i believe this is the doctor and i didn't believe that for series 11 i sort of kind of i liked her in her first episode and then afterwards i was thought you just you're just doing you're, you're doing a tenant impression I've yeah seen enough fan films do that but in this she just really shined it was mm. everyone had a winning thing and uh the plot as you rightly say i was looking at the watch 
in hoping it wasn't just about to finish, mm. which is a different yeah, reason to look at the look at the watch. I thought it was going to wrap up very soon. I was like, oh no, <laughs> but it was, uh, and I wasn't. Bo- yeah, as you say, it was not boring. I love the fact that episode two continues straight after episode one. Yeah. I've missed the cliffhanger that picks up straight at the end mm. of the last one. It's always like if it was a Moffat thing, it'd be set like two years in the future uh, <laughs> or something, and it'd just be completely. You'd forget that they were the same story. Speaking the same story, um, how cool is it to have again episode one episode two we haven't had that in ages i love a cliffhanger and that was a banging cliffhanger i'm sure we'll we'll get to that get to that key thing but i love the monsters i loved it before obviously the true villain stepped out the shadows but the um the one the villains just turning up you know they just glowed the bit where ryan's outside and just looking at the windows and seeing all of them lit up in the windows fucking frightened me um it was just such a really terrifying thing and they they were so menacing and then there was like a definite evil in them which is something they didn't have in the last series you know in the last series they just had misunderstood characters yeah (laughs) or isms they but but this was just an evil scary monster that's just a simple design just completely made of light brilliant this is more of what i was expecting chibnall to bring last year yeah because he kind of he's kind of amalgamated the best of rtd and the best of moffat and kind of given us something in the middle and this is what i expected from series 11 and like you said chris to me in series 11 jodie whittaker felt like a woman who happened to be the doctor and not the doctor who happened to be a woman yeah and it's a very different take on the character now and i like that yaz finally had something to do yeah she finally felt part of the team yeah yeah exactly they did just feel like a team yeah even even when uh, like in the second part it was just the three of them and it just it, they all worked well together and they and it just it, it did yeah as you say they just felt that they all came out of their shells and actually became characters as opposed to just the doctor and his mates i was optimistic for this series because of torchwood yeah and sam i know you haven't seen much of it no but chris will be able to back me up here series one bar a few episodes is pretty shit oh it's bollocks yeah but then 18 months later series two came back and series two is heads and shoulders above series one yeah it's monster of the week they're mostly standalone but there's like a thematic thread throughout them that pays off at the end so you can go back you can just watch an episode here you can watch the whole thing and to this day if i feel like watching an episode of tortured i get something from series two yeah no i agree because it was my biggest concern was um that you know series 11 did sort of leave that sort of just not really a, I wouldn't say it's a bad taste more of a bland taste you didn't really feel a need to what to watch on and yeah. I think man the people I spoke I've spoken to who've uh, you know fans or non-fans going you know I just thought it was crap but this one just seems like like you say and the massive step up that Torchwood made because Torchwood I found pretty crap it was just trying to be adult for it was like it felt like a teenager trying to do adult yeah yeah sort of and in the second series it was a bit more gra- a bit better it was much better and uh, the end the finale of that series still blows me away yeah it, um, it's such a step up and with Yaz he's kind of done what he did with Yanto in series two of Tortured. In series one, Yanto's kind of this nothing character. He's not involved in anything. He doesn't feel like part of the team, but straight away from episode one of series two, you're like, yeah, this guy is witty. He's charming. He's funny. I can see why he's an integral part of this machine. And it's the same with Yaz here. I can't think of a bad thing to say about these two episodes. No, I I can see Twitter has a lot of finds away, <laughs> don't they? Uh, they always do. We'll come on to um, some of that. They, yeah. But no, I, I I agree. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. I was sort of blown away. I decided to do like a, 
a sort of Richard E. Grant sort of video going, I, my God, I can't believe what I've just watched. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. It just did leave me with that excitement. I was thinking about it for the whole three days. We had to wait to the next one. Yeah, same. Uh, I was very impressed with Jodie in, in her first episode, as you were saying, Chris. And then you're right. It just felt like series 11. I, I did like the Rosa Parks episode and the one with the witch trials as well, I thought was good because there was, but with a lot of the episodes, the problem was it, it just felt like it just got going and then it didn't go anywhere. Like it couldn't get out of second gear. One of probably the worst episodes was the one with the, the little monster that kept eating everything. Do you remember that? Oh, the, the Saranga yeah. conundrum. And there was a bit where she was with the, the character played by um, Brett Goldstein. Yeah. Who's a great guy really like Brett Goldstein and there was a scene where it was just her and him for a while and this was it she was kind of to me I saw these little glimpses where Jodie was really like the Doctor and there was a couple that spring to mind one was when she had the one-on-one with Alan Cummings in uh, mm. in, in that trial I yeah, thought that was yeah. really good that one was good yeah. And then there was also when she she was with that character played by Brett Goldstein and they sort of went off on their own for a bit and I just it's kind of like you got these glimpses but it, it never went anywhere it mm. was kind of like, oh, this is, oh, it's gone. And now I'm just in the middle of a story. And, and yeah, but with this one, it was the thing I always wanted. The reason I liked Jodie Whittaker cast as the Doctor was actually because I thought she wasn't going to be like she was. I thought they'd, they'd pick this gritty northern actress who, up until doing Doctor Who, I'd never seen her do anything funny ever. Now, she's a very yeah, serious actress. Yeah. She always plays um characters in distress going through something horrible you know she's a very good dramatic actor and she's a very strong actor so the fact that they didn't make the most of that really upset me with series 11 i thought you've just got a really good series it would literally be like if they'd made christopher eccleston like sylvester mccoy's doctor do you know what i mean like it would be such a waste just to have him dicking around the whole time i felt that's what they were doing with her in series 11 they'd they'd really wasted the chance of using a good actor it wasn't until this episode i i I was really glad that they i I felt the comedy worked better i thought that scene when she said snap was a lot funnier than anything she'd ever done when the master revealed himself, it's the first time you've ever seen the Doctor look genuinely horrified. Yeah, Billy Garrett John said uh, that he believes like whenever the Doctor fights a Dalek, it's their baptism in fire. Yeah, where they this is the bit where they become the Doctor. But I didn't get that from Resolution at no. all. Um, nothing like how she reacts when she finds out that O is the master. Yeah, it was just um, this look of complete. That, yeah. it looked like someone who just just sucked the life out of her. She looked genuinely Mm. mortified. And the same with later in the episode. And then the thing as well is a lot of of idiots on Twitter were going, "Uh, well, why would the Doctor be like that? Because Missy was going to join him. It's like, yeah, but the Doctor never knew that. The last the Doctor saw was Missy saying, I'd love to be with you, but I'm not going to do it. And turning him down and saying, I'm going off with the John Sim master. So I can see, I thought they played it really nicely to have the doctor really annoyed to see the master. For the remainder, although there were the usual silly bits when she was with the other characters and when she met up with the companions again, there's this new real loneliness in the character. The character feels like it's not going to be the same now, which I like. Yeah. Are we able to go on to the tangent of the master? Yeah, let's, let's talk about the master. Were you guys surprised? Did you know? I was... I was well. To be fair, you've been tweeting hints about it for yeah. a while. Yeah. So you, I mean, like, you were tweeting. You, you haven't told me. Yeah, 
You tweeted, he's got, he's a masterful actor. And, uh, and, and I was in the middle, I was just typing the message to send to you to say, you're wrong, mate. And then I deleted it and didn't. Yeah. That, that was, uh, to be fair, the, rev- I was, I, it hoodwinked me into believing you were wrong <laughs> until that reveal. And then suddenly like, Oh my God. The thing that did bother me a bit with the master at the first, and I'll, I'll say this bit quick, but. I found that I believe when when Missy had her comeuppance at the end of Capaldi's run, I thought that's it. That's the perfect ending for the Master. Yeah. There's a redemption arc. He's done. It's it's fine. We don't need any more of the Master anymore. He's a character. What else can you do with him? He's just mm. going to turn up and just cause chaos. That's it. So, so I was a bit sort of disappointed that they. So after all that, she decides, ah, well, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to go out and. Be myself again. Mm. But the more I watched of the bastard on the screen, I was like, this man is fucking awesome. He's amazing. <laughs> he now makes me wish that Missy's arc never happened. <laughs> yeah, that's, how, that's how good that's how good the performance was. Even though I quite liked how the master would have ended in this timeline. They've done it, undone it. Uh, you know, I I'm 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 all for it now. He was the perfect because the one thing he got to do more as the master than any of them really did, I think. Mm. I found when John Sim came in, uh, well, obviously Derek Jacoby is only the master for about two minutes. Yeah. Well, about maybe five minutes. Um, John Sim doesn't really interact with David Tennant's doctor as much. He has a phone call with him. He talks to a CGI thing in a cage. Yeah. There's And it's, it doesn't feel quite like the master doctor good versus evil thing. At end of time, it turns out he's just a secondary character to Gallifrey coming back and Rassadon and everything. And then Missy turns up and it's kind of like kind of almost heading back to the sort of the Degado sort of relationship mm. but it doesn't quite and it's just and Missy just pisses you off more than she entertains <laughs> with with uh, Sasha it felt like we had a series worth of master interactions with the doctor in the space of this two parter alone than we've yeah. had in the past 15 years it was incredible they're just such a perfect match for each other it's a really bold and brilliant casting and he is probably up there with one of the best masters in my honest opinion and i've only seen him in two episodes oh, that's how yeah. good he is i just want to give a quick shout out to sasha dewan because he's been really open about the casting process and how we oh, felt bless him, and, bless him. and the costume design and stuff like that you know he was on the sort of wanting to give up uh, yeah. and sort of give it a, give it a rest because I imagine he would feel that way after Iron Fist, you know. Um, <laughs> imagine going into a Netflix show and going and then finding out, right, that's it. <laughs> it's not happening anymore. That, yeah. that career's dead. And then giving a shot as the master and he owns every scene he's in. He does. Oh, it's just super sublime. And that reveal just get, I've watched watched it so many times after it was transmitted. I know, it, it was so good. And uh, I'm hoping he, he, uh, he will come back. He will come back. He's He's probably going to be in the finale, I reckon. I'm expecting so. that. If they can bring back Tim Shaw for a fucking finale, they can bring back the mask. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Shaw. Well, the Dishrags made a return this episode, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> the, in, a, in a sort of a flashback thing. Whatever those Dishrag things, that was the Timeless Child. Timeless Childhood looks like it's going to actually be explained, which would be nice. Oh, um, people going on about Gallifrey, though, they're like, what? They've just brought it back. And I thought, yeah, well, he should never have come back. Yeah, yeah. I'm with Someone you. Uh, was, I don't know who it was on Twitter, but they pointed out, and I thought this is so true. He said it was brought back for nostalgia purposes, uh, you know, for a bit of fan wank sort of 
material. It wasn't. He had the opportunity to do a good narrative with it, and he botched it. He didn't do yeah. anything with it. Yeah. All, the only Gallifrey story we've got was that the Doctor comes out of a confession dial after billions of years, where all we had to say was. I don't know who the hybrid is, but he wouldn't even admit he didn't know. So he just yeah. stayed in there and punched through a diamond wall in a really pretentious episode. Um, and then suddenly just kicks Rassilon off the planet and um, that's it. Then he decides to shoot a general and then run away. That's it. That's Gallifrey. All. And yet mm. now that Gallifrey has now been destroyed by the master for what seems to be a lie about its origins is called it's just, I was more excited for this than even Gallifrey coming back. <laughs> Same. Yeah. And I think it's a clever thing as well that, you know, it does kind of tie up that loose end between the master and Missy is that he's found something else out on Gallifrey. So he's obviously been back there for a while and it's caused him to just fuck the place up. We've got this new kind of depth. It, what the time war was to the Doctor, the Ninth Doctor, whatever he's discovered on Gallifrey has done this to the Master. Gives it a good excuse for him to have gone a little bit nuts again. And what yeah, I like is, is that about this Master is that it's something completely new. It's a new character, you know, mm. uh, uh, like you would get a new Doctor. But there was a lot of old school tactics. So you've got the um, tissue eliminator yeah. uh, or compressor thing. and uh, But also just these old school tactics of do as I do, I'm just going to start killing people and to make my point i'm going to kill a few people just to show you you know that's very kind of anthony ainley doctor and going in disguises as well that got some flack didn't it oh the nazi some people, some people saying yeah well why would the evilest person in the universe possibly use the nazis <laughs> for their own it, it boggles the mind what were they expecting him to dress up as in you know if the doctor's on the run in in <laughs> nazi occupied france of course he's going to enlist and become a leader of the nazis to do, find her what's he going to do become rene from below alone <laughs> <laughs> to the audience that might not be familiar with the master you need to pay off what he saw at Gallifrey being that bad that he would destroy yeah. it so you need to show yeah. him how evil he is and alright you've seen him dispatch nameless characters and stuff like that but actually seeing him dress up as a Nazi working with the Nazis and giving them information gets across to the audience just how bad he is mm. yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's a villain isn't he it'd be a different matter if the yeah. doctor disguised himself as a Nazi yeah, official, exactly. um, you know. But Although I can on, see that pleasing on, a lot of people these days. <laughs> it seems to be uh, it's a matter of ignoring the context of obviously the master is fucking evil. He's yeah, going to yeah. he's out siding with the Nazis. If it wasn't them, he'd probably side with the Daleks if he could. It's the same principle. Just because, but they're just looking at oh Nazi, no, no can't just because of that just look at the fucking context and get over it i mean adolf hitler was locked in a fucking cupboard if that's not an insult to, <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. anti-semites everywhere you know um just get over it there's a lot of people like looking for context where it isn't there and adding their own context to it so the why did the doctor leave the master you know to the nazi's fate and i thought well he, he technically all she did was basically expose basically take away his disguise and then reveal that he is in fact manipulating them and then they all corner him and in sort of like well fuck it i'll leave you to it yeah <laughs> it, the master he's left the master in a city that's crumbling into atoms He's left him burning alive in the past, but no, apparently leaving him to the Nazis to to squalor in the in the mess he's made. That's apparently too far. Oh dear! Who thought that we had to worry about the uh, the welfare of all the evil characters? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the master killed a woman from possibly itching, having scratching an itch. Yeah. He says, "Are you mo are you moving?" <laughs> 
That was so good. <laughs> yes, that. but no, so that was good. oh, that was brilliant. But no, apparently no. Him him being arrested by Nazis is just too far, too far. <laughs> I was told about six months ago that he was going to be the master. I got this anonymous email. No, I know that's how long I how long you've spoiled this for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got this anonymous email that just basically um, said that the sonic arm has gone like that Nazi salute she does when she looks at the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> I was told that Yaz had more to do. I was told basically what was happening, and then at the end of the email it said. Oh yeah, and Sasha Dewan is the master. So when he popped up and he was O, I was just waiting for the reveal. And because they hadn't promoted him at all as being in the series, I was like, yeah, he's yeah. the master. Yeah, yeah, that was mad, wasn't it? The, him, he was edited out of, like CGI'd out of trailers yeah. and stuff. That's amazing, isn't it? Because I, 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 I remember watching the episode going, what? He definitely wasn't in there <laughs> in the beforehand. I said, no, it's a very genius way of covering it. I wonder if it was like, so you say it was anonymous. So do you have no inkling of it? It isn't chip like sort of just emailing it there was a name with the account but as to whether that's a real account or somebody could have just set it up i don't know it's happened before i had an email once telling me that benedict cumberbatch was going to be playing doctor strange and this was about six months before it was announced you've got like some you know <laughs> some guardian angel in terms of <laughs> time uh, lord yeah i'd like to uh i sort of find this suspicious martin i'll be honest <laughs> it feels a bit like the sort of the woman in the shop with clara isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it is. Maybe Missy is sending you. Maybe, you know, maybe. There's a Time Lord out there. Has anyone emailed about any prospecting acting opportunities for me, Martin? No. It's all quiet there, Chris. Sorry. It would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> I was once sent a guy's audition tape, though. Yeah, he sent it to me because I've like interviewed people from the show. I guess he thought I would have some sort of sway. So it was this Dutch guy who <laughs> sent me his audition piece to be in the 50th. And it was just him sitting on a sofa. He looked left. He looked right. And then he waved at the camera. Well, that's it? Yeah. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> and there was one time I got this whole business proposal asking me to forward it to Eve Miles. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I've met Eve Miles twice. Like, I don't have any contact info for her. Oh, I've had no. a few people message me ask trying to get through to John Colshaw. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and, I said, and I said to him, just, just tweet him. He's a nice man and he'll either listen or if you're talking rubbish, you might not. I appreciate my anonymity, Chris. Thank you. It's like a sort of resistance group that you seem to be involved in, Martin. <laughs> within, within film and TV. Listen carefully. I will tell you only once. <laughs> so what did you guys make of Lenny Henry? He was actually a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, good actor. Very, he's yeah. actually a very good actor, isn't he? Yeah, I, th I thought his performance was perfect for what it needed to be. I, I always liked yeah. it when the master was manipulating somebody. And I thought actually their little talk in his TARDIS was quite good. You know, yeah. because there used to be that thing with Delgado's Doctor where whoever he was working with would kick off about something and the master would have to remind them exactly who's in control. You know, oh, you might I be bigger that. than me. I liked it, yeah, when he said, you're not my employer, Mr. Barton. Yeah, and just stared him in the eyes. But he doesn't back down either. He's uh, Barton's doesn't uh, show any fear to him either. Yeah. And also, he's still at large. So, you know, he must still be about somewhere. Yeah, let's hope so. Pausing. Mm. What do you guys make of the World War II aspect to this? Obviously, working with Ada Lovelace and Nor Khan. I was worried when I saw the next time trailer because I thought, 
oh god they're going to do a Moffat thing set it time around the past and it won't link uh, in some very convoluted way to the present and but it actually was better executed than I thought it was going to be it followed straight on and it, it just made sense and I quite like the idea of the Doctor sort of running throughout history being chased by the Master just pops up I mean what I thought was good as well is is that how it continued the story of part one so it feels like a full episode but it was so different you know we hit the first part was all sort of spying around you know trying to track down Lenny Henry's character and then the second part was as you said it was a bit of a chase through time two completely different concepts and plots but it all came together nicely as one story which is really impressive Mm, mm. especially for the crap that we've got from single part episodes from Chibnall to have it actually flow nicely and that's just the one thing I I cannot say has improved the show more than anything is the pace has Mm. just changed and it just works better like I was saying before it was like every episode in season 11 got stuck in second gear but this Mm. one just just shot through and it was nicely paced it was it you know it, it it just was never boring. It always had you on the edge of your seat. It was very, very cleverly done. Um, well, it's uh, I think it's still single episodes until the finale, isn't it? It's a two-part finale. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, and I, so, I, yeah. I do think yeah. we're going to have to deal with the same issues. I think we are going to have another, another, a few, maybe a couple of bad episodes where you know. My, oh yeah, there's going to be some. Yeah, yeah. Where, uh, where my pet hates come out, which is going to be them having to fix, you know, having to fit in a beginning, middle, and end all within one hour whilst Mm. having to fit in all those four so what you are going to do you're going to get episodes with a lot of dialogue between the doctor and you know you know uh, between Jodie Whittaker and Bradley Walsh and then you're going to have the other two in the background just throwing in stupid lines like I'll never forget I I included it in my video I did for uh, the terrestrial channel on YouTube I, I did a um video about that and i used an example of when they are literally in the background to throwing crap comments and it's the one where it's with that little monster that that eats everything and there's this they haven't said anything in ages and the doctor goes oh yeah it's coming for us yaz says i don't fancy its chances and ryan goes yeah I back yeah. us every time. It's like who who talks like that? <laughs> oh, I do. Like, yeah. talk, no, they just thought, oh god, Ryan and Yaz haven't said anything for a while. That's just put this in. That's like that is that like CDBs. That you is know, that the is problem when you have big casts like that in a TARDIS team in it. But I do find, like with the TV show, the, the, the thing that was, why I don't, with a show, uh, a series, they tend to have, like, if you have more than more characters than need, they focus on different ones each time. Usually the first one would be obviously started on the main character. Mm. The second one would be about the secondary character. And then you'll go on to the tertiary, et cetera, all the sort of background lot so everyone sort of gets a moment in the series it's never just one person all the way through i found with series 11 didn't work because they didn't really there was no real linking theme or anything there was no real progression it felt like you could just you could watch any of them out of order and it would still somewhat make sense yeah because it felt like you just flipped on a cartoon or a sitcom where like the old style sitcom where it didn't really matter what happened in the previous episode yeah i think unfortunately i think that in a way was what he was aiming for i think he was in his head his favorite era of doctor who is you know what the 60s the 70s where you could kind of tune in 
in and get if you could watch a serial for four weeks and then come back a year later and watch another serial and you hadn't missed much you know maybe the companions change but it doesn't matter i think that's what where i think that's actually not the way to go about things in the modern era i think if you're if you've got a tv show i think it needs to have more of a link and more of a narrative than anything i mean you look at shows that are, are really popular at the moment things like killing eve or you know a little bit before that even things on on netflix the crown or breaking bad they all go along one narrative and there's that oh we've got to wait around and watch next week you know line of duty yeah that that is proof that television still attracts an audience the cliffhangers they end on every week are huge everyone's talking about everyone's tweeting about it i think they should be aiming really to be doing that every week you know there was never a drive to watch the next episode it was just they turned up established the baddie they dealt with baddie all got wrapped up they all smiled went in the tardis ate a cream custard cream and flicked the switch and the dark tardis disappeared and there was no reason you'd want to go back next week no well i think that's the, the difference between the television now and obviously like the, the old serial days in, uh, mm. in the classic is that the classics wouldn't be just one week it would be four or maybe mm. five or six uh or two even so you had a sort of a more of a you had more to play with in terms of time and you can actually have your characters do things you could have i don't know the, the companion going off on their little adventure while the doctor's having the, his own one um etc but obviously as you rightly say now it's because it's a compact series of um a compact series where you know it's only 10 episodes um there needs to be something to link it to the previous or you know there has to be yeah. some overarching theme because it, it doesn't show any character development that that's why i felt like it was all very cartoony was that there was no real development of any character because the next week it didn't really matter if you missed the last one but obviously back in the old classic days they had about four weeks of this story so it's not as if you've like finished it and gone okay because that's the that's the luxury of the old ones is that you can just pick one out and just yeah. watch it and it's a good you get a full experience of it but when it's a 45 minute or 50 minute episode that's just got to cram it all into one mm. it's just an it's just a longer cartoon well yeah i mean that and that is the problem i mean what mm. amazed me is that they even considered having three companions is you know I, I think maybe like i think a lot of them have tried to do is they try and reflect back to the very 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 first series with ian barber and susan mm. and to be honest i think that is the only time you know in the 60s that three companions worked when it was ian barber and susan or ian barber and vicky because but yeah. that back then you had very very slow paced six-parter sometimes eight-parter episodes you could have like ian and vicky go off for two weeks and the doctor and barbara would be somewhere for two weeks and then they would come back you know it would you'd have that time to do that i mean one thing i mm. thought was amazing it was almost like the irony of it was hilarious because when the new when series 11 came out it came out at the same time that the season 19 came out on blu-ray um yes and all they talked about on behind the sofa and all the extras was how crowded the tardis team were i compared that series to this whole era jody's era Mm. to the fifth doctor because it is that it's too many companions that they're in that first year so there's not enough time to focus on them um all of them at once and also i think the reason why it works with barbara and susan is because the doctor was too old to do most of the stuff that they could do so they'll give it to ian but when you've got a young (laughs) 20 is he 28 29 peter davison yeah so you got him doing like loads of action things and then you've just got two uh, four three other companions who just follow it's a really exactly. weird game i mean in some, in some episodes it works you know in earth shock it works quite well 
Um, I think the dynamic between them as characters was fine. I think yeah. like Earthshock, it works quite well. It also works in Black Orchid, in my opinion, but because it's such yeah. a nothing episode, there's not much going on. It's almost a bit like a, a resting episode, that Black Orchid. Not much happens, and you yeah. do get to see a lot of them on downtime, you know, just sort of eating food and having a pie, which is kind of nice. And actually, I, I quite like Black Orchid for that reason. You actually just see what general life is like as a time traveller. Take Earthshock, right? So let's say Earthshock, in my opinion, three companions works fine, because you've got the Doctor and uh, Adric off doing something, and then you've got Nissa and Tegan together. But that's over a space of four episodes, half an hour each. So essentially, that's two hours you've got to do that in. Now, the guy who wrote Kinder said it was impossible. He had these three companions. He couldn't do it. So he had to write out Nissa. Nissa. Yeah, he did. And that, yeah. that again is with two hours of content. He could not fit three companions into two hours. So what on earth in a show that has changed in pace dramatically? And what where what were they thinking? Putting in three companions in for an hour show. It makes zero sense. It makes absolutely yeah, no it, sense it, it, to have. It only works if they have, as we said, an overarching thing. Mm. where it shows some development. Okay, one companion might not be able to do as much while the other two get more of a more of a sort of spotlight, but that's how TV, you know, should work. That's how it should be. But with the series 11, we, I know we keep arguing back to it, it just because it was so episodic and separate and so single in each episode, it, you, you could probably have had them like, turn, if it was sort of a cartoon, they'd only spend a day in the studio. That's it. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it was, it, they were very 2D. Do you know what I mean? There mm. wasn't much about them. And I, I thought, I think you're right. That's what I expected from series 11 because there were so many companions in such short space of time. I thought, okay, what they're going to do is they're going to do kind of each week and focus on the, a companion, which is, which is good. You know, they could have had an episode with a lot of investigating. So therefore, uh, Yaz could have taken the lead as a police officer and we yeah. could have yeah. seen what she's learned on the job and then have her learn something else. And by the end of it, we could have her go back home, do her job. And she's suddenly a lot better at it. And she's therefore learned something from her travels with the doctor and taken it to a real life job. You know, it's there's something mm. in there. There's some character development. And I thought actually where they missed a trick in um, the Rosa Parks episode, like I said, I did enjoy the Rosa Parks episode, but because of what happened at the beginning with Ryan getting slapped and his monologue kind of about a third of the way through he talked about how he still experiences issues with his race in 2018 2019 there was an opportunity there to actually do a bit of his story a bit of his history and, and things like that but they didn't they kind of had him get slapped him do his little monologue and that was as if chris chibnall just went oh yeah that's a bit about race done let's tick that box and now we can just do uh bring in you know a sexy meddling monk to shoot but, them for a bit. And it, there was, you know, there, there was an opportunity there to actually tell a very good story, focus on Ryan and something that a lot of, you know, young people of colour could relate to within a story about Rosa Parks. Instead of just recreating yeah. the Rosa Parks story, which again was fine, I think it should have been focused a lot more on Ryan that, that episode. Yeah. Let's bring it back, shall we? We didn't like Series 11. I think we can draw the line <laughs> under that. What do you guys make of wires hanging out in the bottom of this TARDIS? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, you know, the end of the day it's just you know what were they thinking it was it's such a stupid idea i mean I've it's lost proof it. that this doctor's an imposter oh absolutely it's just it's not my doctor at all i mean <laughs> my doctor would never ever ever pull out the wires from the bottom because it's a spaceship um <laughs> but um then again i'm not some deluded 40 to 50 year old man who thinks he's patrick troutman <laughs> um no. I actually, I did actually. The thing is, I actually did actually have a nice uh, chat with him many years ago. He blocked me a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, blocked um, me as well. Um, 
I was just I just replied to him just I said mate look at what you sound like I am an, a middle-aged man and I'm angry that this children's show is not what what it's I want it to be ridiculous it's it's, sort of, <laughs> it's just sort of like come on you can see through the TARDIS back wall in the serials you know I thought I go well it's quite clearly a prop for fuck's sake just get over yourself you sad sad pathetic you oh dear it is sad it's, it's pathetic and the thing is it's people like that who are nitpicking because let's be honest they don't like that a bird is playing their, oh yeah their, 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 their hero they oh, don't so, like it there's a, a, there's a lass in charge she's doing a great job and even if she's not doing a great job no one's asking you no one gives a fuck if you used to watch Patrick Troughton and you preferred him. There's people now who are watching Jodie Whittaker and 30 years down the line, yeah. they're going to be angry at the age of 50 that their young white male doctor is rubbish. And they're going to go, oh, it was better when it was a woman. But it's not for you anymore. Like, that's the problem. I think that's the one lie that all Doctor yeah. Who tech fans tell themselves. They, it's a family show. Fuck off. It's a kid's show. I can live with that. You can live with it. I've been <laughs> a fan with it since I was a kid. It is a fucking children's show. When I'm watching it, my wife says to me, you're watching that kid's show again. Yes, I fucking am, because I enjoy it. But it is all this, oh, no, actually, I think it's always been a show for the um, for the, for the more inter- No, it's a children's show. When they, Chris Chibnall sits down, <laughs> do they say to him, right, do a fucking great show so that kids go out and buy the merchandise, so that kids go to all the events, so that kids want the DVDs for Christmas, so that kids want action figures and sonic screwdrivers, or do they go, can you make something that would please the average fan who was aware of the John Pertwee era? <laughs> do you think the BBC is saying? They want kids to buy merch. They want the kids to enjoy it. It's a mainstream show. If it was made for fans, it would be on. It would be on at 8 p.m. on a Thursday night or 9 p.m. on a Thursday night, and we could all get together in our anorak and have a wank over it. I used to stay up till midnight to watch this on UK Gold. It's quite clearly an adult show. <laughs> it's insane. Like it's I just know. like, what are you on about? Like it's not for you, and that's why. Like because I've kicked off at the show before. I kicked off during the um, era of Peter Capaldi, but there were some bad episodes. But I'll never forget me going, "Oh, that makes no sense. Why would the Doctor do that?" And my yeah. wife would go, "You're shouting at a children's TV show." And then you sort of think, well, yeah, that does. I kind of woke up and thought, you know, of course, like we care about the show. We grew up with it. We're invested in it. You know, we're doing a podcast about it. So, of course, we care about it. But I think there's time you've got to let go. You know what I mean? I don't get angry about it. I just find it frankly funny and also quite a relief almost when i feel like oh i hope i didn't sound too harsh there and my uh that why i didn't like uh series 11 yeah. and uh, then suddenly you get someone go they got wires coming out of the tardis and you sort of go <laughs> right well you know that just puts everything in perspective doesn't it I, mean, yeah. I, I now feel better about myself so thank you all not my doctor fans you have shown what the true definition of dickhead is and yeah. i am nowhere fucking near it <laughs> i mean we, we're we're all we all and we're all guilty of this of having a little pathetic paddy you know having a paddy oh, yeah. over, over the shoes and few, we'll always do that drinks, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know at the same time the way i see it is this you know i was a big fan of power rangers when i was four years old right the original lineup of the mighty morphin power rangers tommy jason zach billy and all that right if you tuned in and watched it now, it is a nut show. It's mental. I saw a bit of it when I was in America. It's in space. They turn into dinosaurs. It makes no sense. But I understand that because that's not for me anymore. In the early 90s, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was cool because it was for 90s kids and it was this and that. And yeah. 
there's no Power Ranger fans, grown Power Ranger fans, sit and watch that now, going, "What is this rubbish?" You know, they're, they're not like. There's just it's only Doctor Who fans who I've have got this weird with... entitlement. There's also some cartoon fans because I know, like, some grown sort of twenty something said, "I just watched the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it was shit." It's fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you can't. Why would you get this upset? It's like if it's like people would get upset. It goes, "Why does Noddy look like uh, some hipster artist?" And Converse is on and why. Not. And, and like, why are you still fucking watching Noddy? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's mad, and I mean, at the same time, you know, it, it is. I've, I've always said it's a kid show, but you know, obviously, it's it's always sat in the drama spot, and therefore, people of all ages can enjoy it as we do, as we all sit here in our late twenties, thirties, or whatever. You know, <laughs> we are effectively sat watching a kids show, but fuck it, we're happy. We'll do as we please. If we want to sit in a review, Noddy, we'll do it. The Bad Noddy Podcast coming to you in autumn. That's you the, know. Well, that's it's like the de- it's like the Demon Headmaster series. The new series is really good. It's amazing. Uh, it's everything Stranger Things wishes it was. The bits me about it is most of the tweets or anything about it are reviews from adults. There are like, very few kids are commenting on their on what they're enjoying about the Demon Headmaster. It's been overshadowed by everyone in their twenties, thirties, to going. Do you know I've just loved this. This was an amazing sort of uh, <laughs> and it's it's just it was made of it's quite really quite tragically depressing I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if it gets recommissioned I hope it does but if it, yeah. if it doesn't it probably won't because they realise well maybe CBBC isn't the right audience maybe <laughs> we should put it on BBC fucking 4 <laughs> <laughs> it is funny when you see grown men ranting on YouTube going Doctor Who is woke rubbish it's crap now and all that and then all the people underneath all men in their 30s 40s 50s going yeah it's crap it's crap it's like the main audience of kids don't care that it's a bit woke these days they don't care that there's a oh, concentration. It's, it's, the world, it's the world they're coming up in, isn't it? Sadly, oh. you know, and they don't, they probably, some of them don't even remember David Tennant. They don't remember the classic series. And I do understand, don't make me wrong, the slight entitlement that some Doctor Who fans have, because at the same time, it would not have returned if it wasn't for the love that the fans had for the classic series. If they hadn't bought the books, mm. the, the DVDs, the VHS, it would never have come back. But it's like I think me and Martin spoke about in one of the first podcasts I, I did with you, Martin. And that was the... At the same time, the BBC, I think, do themselves no justice by going, yeah, they're all just trolls. They're all just shit. They're all idiots. They're not real fans. Because I don't think that's the right approach. I think it's, all they need to do no. is, I think, if anything, the BBC should be looking at this and going, do you know what? We've, we've had this show now for 50 years. There are people who enjoyed it 30 years ago who just don't have a clue about the modern world, don't have a clue why. But the thing is, the Doctor Who is like the only show they've got. And I think, if anything, it's now time to make other shows i think there should be and i suppose torchwood was that to some extent but i think there needs to be more extended i don't want to use the word extended universe but i'm going to but i think there is a time now to do more extended tv shows about doctor who i think there could be a unit spin-off that is more mm. adult they basically look at what big finish are doing essentially big finish is doctor who for adults it is yeah. you know and that's yeah. what it's always yeah. been it's for the the fans who grew up in the classic series and they've given them you know if you look if you take like the david tennant big finish stories they're so much more adult than the david tennant stories that are on the telly and that's exactly how it should be and i just think that really these fans who are whinging all the time about how it's so crap now it's silly jody whittaker's too childlike to be fair if it's your opinion 
absolutely fair enough. But, you know, for me, I didn't enjoy Series 8 and I didn't enjoy Series 9. So I just switched it off. I didn't watch it. I I genuinely have never seen the rest of Series 9. I just didn't enjoy it. And I'm fine with that. I'm happy to just sit back and go, do you know what? That that era of the show is not for me. But neither was Season 24. Season 24 is not for me. I've got it on DVD. I got through a little bit of the episodes. I couldn't finish it. And it's fine to just put that down, pick Mm. it up later on. Don't think it's the right strategy to go and tell potential viewers to fuck off and not watch the show. But at the same time... At the same time, if something's bringing you absolute misery, I, and I say this as a sort of like in general, like if something's really yeah. making, if if it's resulting to you having a go at girls online, mm-hmm. you sort of then I think you might have to sort of think, well, actually maybe maybe I should pack it in. To be fair, I was tempted after series eleven. I thought, well, if series twelve doesn't pick up, I'm probably I'm probably just sort of drift off it a bit. Um, you know, just it, not. But that's who, that's respectful. That's that, yeah. you know. That's I feel like it's not for me. But then you see things like little uh, girls or little kids who get like Tardises made for Christmas mm. or something like that, and you see the video shared, and you go like. Well, that's what this is for. It, yeah. It's as long as they're enjoying it, that's the main thing. And exactly. you know, as time proves, I mean, with Doctor Who, Doctor Who became a cult thing for uh, for many years before oh. it suddenly had its resurgence again. All it takes is okay, maybe for, what four maybe five million people watched the episode the other day i don't know what the consolidate will be let's say it's around five okay that's quite low in comparison to the tens it used to be and the sevens and and whatnot but cult followings years later that could be rewatched again and again and it will just you know it's going to find love in a different generation and that's the thing you know we are doctor who fans and whether we fall out of love with the series that's currently on the telly there's big Mm. finish there's and to be honest that's what i was saying as well there should be other things to go to it would be great if there were you know extra shows on you know if Torchwood came back or something similar came along you know not class obviously but you know something for the <laughs> more for the classic fans you know it's been like recently when we did the review of Sill you know I wasn't a big fan of the Sill Blu-ray but at the same time I absolutely respected the fact that they went you know what here's a classic baddie a good classic baddie let's make something for the classic fans here you know I like that and the other thing as well is that I thought was very interesting I saw a really interesting tweet the other day from a guy who must be probably in his 40s or 50s and he's a Doctor Who fan remains Doctor Who fan and he replied to this tweet of a girl it might have been Beth actually it was someone who just tweeted something saying you know oh I'm um, I'm just so depressed that how this fandom has become so polarised you know something a bit dramatic and, and he'd replied saying look let's be honest if Twitter was around in the 80s the divide would have been a lot, lot worse. Oh, Because people forget, you know, people forget that in the 1980s, the show was hated. The show was utterly it was a laughing, It was a laughing stock, wasn't it? Yeah, it by, was, by yeah. its own fans as well. There were people who, I mean, my, my for example, my mum and dad, they grew up John Pertwee, Tom Baker, and they said, by the time Sylvester McCoy came along, we hated it. We actively dis- disliked it. You know, it was a shit show. People wanted it to just die. You know, yeah. it was something people just wanted off the telly. Um, so, you know, the, there's that that polarisation hasn't just come about from Jodie Whittaker. No, Don't get me wrong, pol- Horrible people have come out of the uh, out of the woodwork. You know, there has been some genuine sort of sexist remarks and some real bigotry there. But um, but those those people exist anyway. You know, they're just they, using this. It's, as an it's the same thing as a school playground. It's it's just social media has now given everyone a voice. When I had that sort of uh, spat from, I think it was the Jenna Coleman stuff. John Coleshaw texted me to sort of say, "I hope you're all right." And he, he said, "Twitter is is fucking absurd, isn't it?" He says, "It's the virtual night bus of furious strangers." 
A digital Ouija <laughs> boil uh, channeling through every dickhead of Void from every cranny. We never used to be the, able to see this stuff. It was confined to the corner of the pub from people we mm. avoided. And now we see it, um, we sh- should deliberately ignore. The stink of ammonia in typed form. And then he says, I quite like those descriptions, actually. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> that's I mean, actually, amazing. That's really good. And actually, I only made one note today for, for our chat. And that is because uh, I knew we'd be talking about this and there has been some vicious stuff on twitter over over again it's over a fucking kid show do you know what i mean it's there's so many bigger things in the world to worry about and at the end of the day we're lucky to have a tv show on that we can argue about do you know what i mean like when people get really down about it i'm like look at least we've got a show to talk about you yeah. know we could be living in a world where it like ended in 1989 and that's it but there was a really good i'm just trying to find it there was a really good quote from uh, peter capaldi who was asked about fan backlash and stuff like that. And he said, obviously it'd be sound better coming from Chris's voice, but it was something like he said, he said, I don't worry about social media because social media is the only platform in the entire world where idiots have a louder voice than everybody else. That's absolutely true in real I life. Always, you don't uh, yeah, I know we sort of, I've, you know, I've mocked them tonight, but to be fair, they are mockable. Public service announcement to any fan who's listening who just feels like they, they find that the whole place is toxic and whatnot. It isn't. To put it in perspective, if you look on the Doctor Who Facebook page, whenever they post up anything, you always see the angry emoji appear on there. But actually, if you look at how many people click like and love uh, the heart rather than angry face, you can actually see how many people in proportion that is. But it just shows how small that angry voices it's just loud but it's small so don't feel disheartened don't feel the world is going to hell just ignore them and don't argue with them i I think it's just generally a case of i don't mind talking to someone who doesn't agree with me Mm. but if they're just repeating the same thing in a cycle there's no point talking to them and if they're tweeting the same thing about fucking cables out of a tardis you know it's just uh (laughs) you know guys listeners don't fret about it. These tossers were here before Twitter. They'll be yeah. here after Twitter, probably still moaning about the same fucking thing. Well, that's the thing. You know, one thing I saw in one reply was, and you do get these these idiots where someone had, was it something, it was quite, just, just a chat, I think, about the show, and it was quite amicable. And then someone was obviously in favour of Jody. someone wasn't, but it was quite amicable, as I said. And then someone just jumped in and went, yeah, you cuck. Enjoy your SJW BBC bias <sighs> bullshit. And I replied and I said uh, something like, mate, come on, this is a bit strong for a kid's show, isn't it? And he just came back and went, no, like, yeah, you swallow it. You're just a cuck and you're just a slime. Your, your ratty race is dying out, you SJW. I just thought, what is going on? But the fact <laughs> is... Those people, they're going to be like that anyway. You know, yeah. a female doctor has not caused them to be like that. They've just jumped onto anything. They're jumping on the Marvel Universe to have a go at women there. Yeah, they're yeah. jumping on Batwoman. They're jumping on Stranger Things, any Netflix series, the news, politics, wherever. These people are just trolls. Just ignore them because they're, they're out to just do that. They're just shit slingers. That's it. And if you give, when you retweet them to reply to them, it's like that. Was it Bowles Trek? Why retweet him? Yeah. Why share yeah. it? Why why share it with a witty comment to take the piss? What's the point? All you're going to do is you value your own opinion, you know, your own sort of self-image by just one, but whether you're doing two things effectively, you're one spreading their message and two, you're actually sort of, you have to go down to their level. You, I'm holier than now. 
just you know mm. just leave it let these yeah. people moan and wank to themselves about whatever bothers them whether it's the, the i don't know whether it's cables under a tardis the doctor having tits anything just yeah. let them do it i'm not going to change their minds you're not going to change their minds mm. stop wasting your time stop amplifying their their hateful messages by attacking them just leave them to their I, own stupidity to look yeah. like the twats they are. I don't always think they're 100% genuine anyway. I mean, take that um, Bowles Trek, whoever you're on about before. I actually took a little bit of time to look at, at his account a little while ago. And the fact of the matter is, I think partly he does his videos, which I watched the entirety of his uh, Spyfall video. He doesn't review it at all. He calls it a Spyfall review, but all he does is sarcastically read out the plot and throw in a few buzzwords, SJW, cucks, uh, libtards, you know, the usual stuff. If you go back about three years in his um, in his YouTube, watch his early videos, they're completely different. Um, there's a really good one where he does his reaction to Jodie Whittaker being cast. And in the review, he's very calmly spoken. And he's saying, oh, you know, I don't actually think it should be um, a woman. But um, personally, I think the doctor's a man. I think he's a good male role model. Again, his opinion. But then he goes, but, you know, whatever happens, it's going to be interesting. I'm willing to give it a go. I think Chris Chibnall's got a good, re you know, he's very balanced in his opinion. He's put his opinion out there, but mm. also kind of addressed it. But there's something about this video. It's only got about 400 views. In the later ones, when he's using those buzzwords, it's getting angry. He's ranting. He's ranting at lefties. He's ranting at SJWs. It generates him thousands of hits and it generates him money. They're doing it for attention. You and everyone's giving it to them. Yeah, and it's just the best way to defeat these people. It's the same with any any troll. You just ignore them. I don't get angry by seeing things I read online. Mm. I just I just don't. I just I find you know you have to put. I used to. I just I've, and then I sort of wisened up and thought, well, what's the point? Mm. I'm just getting angry at things I can't really prevent or control. And if you're just going to get it's like spending your time angry about people like Trump or, you know, or Brexit. I'm not going to be able to change what's happened. Mm. Um, I'm not going to be able to stop Trump <laughs> from tweeting. No. You know, you just have to you have to just get on with it and just, you know, and just leave them to look like an idiot. They've making themselves look idiots. They are ranting as grown men about a children's TV show. Yes. Leave them to it. Do you know what I mean? Because they're making themselves look stupid. Imagine in the real world. They, they bump into someone in the street and they go, hi, what's your name? Oh, I'm whatever. And what do you do for a living? Oh, I, I basically, what I do is I watch a children's TV show and then I really rant about it online and I put it on YouTube. They exactly. look at you like, what the fuck are you on? It's like the person who's like shouting and losing his mind, like saying like, why won't you take me back or something like yeah. that? And you sort of think, well, probably because you're very unreasonable right now and he goes oh, i'm being unreasonable i'm not being unreasonable. you know you just devalue the point yeah okay you might have a valid point but it was lost the moment he started shouting crap exactly that, and that's yeah, no, it i mean what would you do if genuinely you you started working with someone right nice guy let's call him jason and jason goes uh oh i'm, I'm actually quite into my youtube oh are you really oh brilliant i oh, know i'm quite creative myself you know i do my own thing you know, you know i'd sort of do impressions and stuff about doctor who oh, okay cool uh, what do you do i'm I just do I do shows about Noddy. Oh, do you? Okay. Uh, and then, can I watch one of your videos? Of course you can. Oh, bloody hell, this one's got 50,000 
tits. Let me watch this. I can't stand Noddy. He's such a bloody libtard now. And he's done by the BBC, who've done nothing but make Noddy a gender-neutral, gender-fluid cuck. And I just can't stand it. I'm just so angry. I just Why can't they just cancel Noddy? It's just, <laughs> you'd be like, what? Get a fucking life, you idiot. Noddy is just, he's not going to break even if he keeps charging a sixpence. And I've heard they're making big ears a lady. That'd be even, that'd be why I reversed it, because I, for years, have thought, there's something wrong there. There's something wrong there. There's definitely a U-tree element in this in this story if you tell comes a woman then obviously the media will forget about it <laughs> <laughs> a bit like doctor who then really <laughs> but a brilliant line in uh, dead ringers uh, when jody was announced and it, you got deborah stevenson doing a, a brilliant jody impression just saying they've gone for someone who's uh, they've cast a woman to save them some money <laughs> <laughs> oh that is good i like that <laughs> So I'm now going to be looking at Sounds of Thunder's 2019 annual. This is a new independent audio production company. And let me be open and honest from the get-go. I know the people involved with this production company. I've been friends with Siobhan Galichon for nearly a decade. I'm Facebook friends with Helen Sterling. I know some of the writers. I've met them over the years. And our very own Chris is an actor in several of these audios. So I just want to get that out in the open now. And I have to say, these are surprisingly good audios. Now, it's always worrying when a friend gives you some art that they've created. And they're like, tell me what you think. Can you can you look at this? Give me an honest opinion. There's always that part of you that's like, what if I don't like it? Luckily, I didn't have that here. Now, what we have is seven audios. They're, they vary between 20 to 25 minutes. They're unconnected so it's kind of like an anthology and each story is different and independent to the last it starts off with boxing day which has doctor who fan favorite toby haydoke in there and i gotta say i think boxing day was my favorite of the set and it's just the premise is something that i hadn't really seen before it's kind of an original premise and yeah it's great the cast are great everybody in this is given 110 percent it's a surprisingly professional outfit it sounds good it sounds professional it's up there with the likes of big finish now i do want to clarify this is a new company and a lot of people working on this have never done something like this before and that's what's great about sounds of thunder is they've taken emerging writers emerging talent new talent and they've tried to give them a leg up and i'm looking forward to seeing where this company goes there's some editing issues there's some script issues where i think that just comes down to an experience i think with the next door they'll learn on the job and they'll trim stuff in boxing day as an example there's a character that's kind of shown to be stupid but she's the one to figure something out and we don't really hear her figure that out she just gets it and i think with a little bit of tighter editing some of these stories could run a little bit more smoothly but for a first time audio production a lot of people have never done anything like this before and some of them are first time actors some of them are first time writers i think this is a surprisingly good product and it's important to support independent productions when they come along because these guys haven't got the money of say big finish they haven't got the legacy of big finish they're trying to come up in 2019 2020 and tell us new and original stories the stories are all simple but really engaging the audio quality is professional and it sounds like i said up there with the likes of big finish so i'm going to link the website and stuff in the description and i'm really 
really excited to see what goes next. I think the next thing they have out is something with Katie Manning, which I'm really looking forward to. So, Sam, have you got any gigs coming up? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yes. So, 25th of January, I am joining this gentleman, Chris, at the Tiny Rebel in Cardiff for the We Are Cult live show. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, but I'll be there with uh, We Sound Familiar. That should be a a good weekend. In fact, it's it's also uh, the weekend before is uh, my birthday. So, actually, this is a sort of belated drinks as well. So, it'll be good. Are you coming to that, Martin? Uh, I probably won't be, no. Sorry. Oh, boo, it's boo. I've got to okay. sit here and cock myself. <laughs> be a libtard. Yeah, plug yeah, on a libtard. I'm going to skim through every serial of Doctor Who and find every cable coming out of it. <laughs> We're doing that, and that should be really good fun. I'm looking forward to that. And we've yeah. got the guys who do the Blu-rays are going to be there. Nice. Uh, and Gary Russell's going to be there. Um, Review of Death Boys are going to be doing their thing as well. And... Uh, Al Patron and Bolstrek are going to be there. <laughs> not, I did say to James, I went, to be fair, they'd bring in a big audience. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> the EDL mainly. But... <laughs> oh, no, I take that back. That's a joke. Chris, any more We Sound Familiar podcasts coming out soon? We did the New Year one, but we are planning to do some things after. Our main focus at the moment is for this gig. Uh, we've got some good material coming up for it. Well, we do actually plan to do some video stuff while we're down Ooh. there as well, while we're in Cardiff, the home of, of Doctor Who since. 2005 yeah so we'll have a bit of a laugh there yeah i'm looking forward to seeing you guys in action actually i've got to introduce you i'm I'm the warm-up we sound familiar which i'm really excited about all right well gentlemen i'd say that about wraps it up for this episode thank you for joining me that's all right we we spent more time talking about everything else apart from the episode but yes (laughs) and as i said you've been listening to three grown men discuss a children's tv show the (laughs) irony of the irony of this is that we have been ranting (laughs) about people ranting and now <laughs> we have become the very cucks that they think we are. <laughs> oh no oh my god i'm a libtard <laughs> what have we done why can't we just do this in a civil manner we're hypocrites <laughs> <laughs>